one of my favorite segments here as we dive into the NFL prop market as we pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Brian Blewis, betting director. You can follow everything that they're doing with Pro Football Network over at uh, PFN Bets as well as PFNBetting.com. Brian, looking forward to getting this all started here with you. It's Kayla and Bob. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Last night was a great appetizer for the uh, week one NFL slate. It was a fun game, a bit surprising, but looking forward to diving into these games on Sunday. Absolutely here. Uh, so as I typically do, I get things started with looking at the the local squad here. So we have the Cardinals traveling to take on the commanders. Sam Howell, uh, last I saw, he was sitting at like about 203 and a half yards. I get that he doesn't have a whole lot of experience here in the NFL, but looking at the Cardinals secondary, uh, the ability to get home with a pass rush, uh, it seems like 203 and a half yards is kind of a low bar to clear, especially with the news today that it looks like Terry McLaurin is good to go. Yeah, I think that line actually jumped up now that Terry McLaurin is cleared to play. But the line's still relatively low. I'm looking at DraftKings right now. It's at 212 and a half, minus 115 on both sides. I'm guessing what's playing a factor here is that the commanders are seven-point favorite, and they think that they should win this game pretty handily against the Cardinals and stop throwing their football late in the second half. But you never know in these sort of matchups, especially week one. I mean, expectations, as you guys know, for the Cardinals are at an all-time low. They're expected to be the worst team in football this year. But it's a long season, 18 weeks. So it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. It made this a closer game than expected and that he will be throwing the football later in the game. You know, you mentioned last night's game. You know, can we take anything away from that moving forward, uh, you know, you know whatever player maybe caught your attention that we can maybe look ahead to the next week or beyond that uh, might be uh, something to look at as far as the prop market goes. Yeah, there are a few notable storylines coming out last night in relation to player prop market. And um, let's start with Jameer Gibbs. He looked really good in the action he saw, but he definitely got a lot less snaps people were hoping for, like, if you have Jameer Gibbs in fantasy, you're definitely panicking a little bit after last night. But as I said in my talking about Sam Howell's prop, same logic goes. Same logic plays a factor here that we have a really long season ahead, and that volume could pick up as the season goes along. So I wouldn't be too concerned. I wouldn't be wanting to fade him too much next week after his usage this week. But at the same time, he really wasn't terribly involved. I actually lost on under on over three and a half receptions for him and. Turns the other side ball for the Chiefs. Sky Moore was that receiver that a lot of people expected to have a breakout year this year. The Chiefs to really have a pretty thin receiver, and then they lost Juju Smith-Schuster in free agency and didn't really replace him. So people thought that he could maybe emerge as that number two target behind Kelsey. But he finished the game with zero catches, zero yards. And pretty funny, his over-under for receiving yards was 44.5, I believe. And at MGM, that was the most bet on player prop for last night. So nice win for the sports book there, unfortunately. And um, if you're looking to bet on Sky Moore props, I would definitely look at the under anything unless they over adjust because he saw such a small target share without Kelsey that when Kelsey's back, I can't imagine that's going to pick up. 
Brian Blue is betting director with Pro Football Network. Follow their work over on Twitter at PFNBets as well as uh, PFNBetting.com. Flipping this to the East Coast with the 49ers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nick Bosa, of course, signed that contract. We'll have to see how much he plays. When it comes to the 49ers, Brock Purdy set to get the start. He has a lot of his target throws, but not a lot of air yards. It's more about the run after the catch. And when you look at the Steelers' defense last year they gave up 5.1 yards after the catch so how do you survey this market with Debo Samuel Brandon Ayuk uh, or do you just kind of try to stay away because it could go in any direction yeah I always have a really difficult time betting player props on 49ers games because like you said there's so much there's so much competition amongst this offense for for getting involved in for that target share and none of these guys really are you can really can't really count on any of these guys week to week to really dominate the volume, like Amon Ross St. Brown, the Lions, for example. So, and it's it's so unpredictable and know who's to be involved because IU, McCaffrey, and Deba are all pretty big run after the catch guys. So, definitely difficult to say the least. But if you're looking for one that stands out more than the others, it's Christian McCaffrey's receiving yards prop is nearly 20 yards lower than each of theirs in Debo and IU, who are equal at 50 in the half. McCaffrey's at 33 and a half, and we know that Shanahan likes to get involved in a variety of ways in that offense. So if you're looking for one of those guys, it might be a good buy low. It could be McCaffrey. Cooper Cup is out for at least this game, and they're going to make, make a decision by Saturday whether he's going to go on a, a, you know, some kind of IR or pup list, et cetera. Uh, does that mean more touches and some of, maybe some other prop bet possibilities. I'm thinking Tyler Higby specifically against the Seahawks defense has been not good the last couple of years against tight ends. Yeah, I mean Tyler Higby is the obvious candidate there. I'm looking at the props right now at DraftKings Sportsbook. His over under for receptions at four and a half with minus one fifty on the over. So that's a sign that that might pick up to closer to five, or the juice might even increase even more because they're getting a lot of action on that prop. I mean. If you ask your listeners right now to name two pass catchers of the Rams outside of Cooper Cup, I bet they would struggle to name two players. But the, but the first one that comes to mind after Cup would be Tyler Higby. So if you are looking for somebody to rack up the target and place a Cooper Cup, he is the obvious choice. But four and a half is a pretty high number, especially with the minus 152. Brian Blue is betting director. Follow their work on Twitter at PFN Bets right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. The Bengals and the Browns. The Browns have actually had some success in winning games of the Bengals in the Joe Burrow era. It's come in a variety of different ways. The Bengals particularly here have a new secondary, so maybe it's going to have some time to gel and figure itself out. So how do you like uh, going with some receivers here? Maybe Amari Cooper over 58 and a half yards. Yeah, um, this one is an interesting game for me. Uh, for full transparency, I'm pretty high on the uh, Browns here just because of uh, Burrow might be a little rusty like he was last season after missing the preseason in his first couple starts. But for the uh, for the Browns side with the receivers, I see more value in Elijah Moore than Amari Cooper. Elijah Moore, people forget, had a really good rookie season for the Jets and then kind of fell off last year due to just all like AC quarterback play from Zach Wilson, and he just was in and out of the lineup. He wasn't getting along with the coaches last year, didn't like his role in the offense. But he's a very talented wide receiver, and this time a year ago, he was thought as one of the best up-and-coming receivers in the NFL. And his receiving prop is only a 31 and a half, 
compared to Amari Cooper at 58 and a half. So if I'm looking for any Browns wide receiver in this matchup against this Bengals secondary with two new safeties after their starting safeties and Jesse Bates' Von Bell left his free agency, more be the Goms targeting. You know, looking ahead a little bit to Monday night, you know, Josh Allen had two bad games, but at least by his standards against the Jets last season. Uh, the Jets' defensive front just kind of dominated those two games, quite frankly. And, you know, Allen was under pressure. And, in fact, Allen got injured his elbow in that second game. So, you know, any possibility about some Josh Allen under props here? Yeah, maybe instead of under on his passing prop, why not be over on his rushing yards prop right now? It's mm-hmm. only 35 and a half. But in those two games against the Jets last year, he ran for 133 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, Josh Allen mm-hmm. one of the best running quarterbacks in the game because of his size and athleticism. And if he's going to be under duress in this matchup against a Jets pass rush that only got better from a year ago, you might see him scramble in those situations to pick up a lot of yardage. That prop is almost a little fishy to me because it's so low. Uh, when you flip this to the Eagles on the road to New England, uh, weather could be a factor here as well. As well, Bill Belichick's defenses have certainly struggled against mobile quarterbacks. So how do you deploy Jalen Hurts here, his rushing prop, you know, 42 and a half yards? And then conversely, how do we figure out what to do with the Patriots running game? And especially with the news that Ramadre Stevenson wasn't seen at practice this morning. Yeah, his his uh, rushing prop is off the board at DraftKings right now. But if you were looking to bet on Ramon Stevenson's prop, say if he was healthy, I don't know what the number would be, but the over would be a good play because this Eagles, if the Eagles had any weakness from a year ago, it was their rush defense, as we saw against the Commanders and in other games throughout the season. And Stevenson really profiles their running backs that they struggle with. Like, it's one thing to go against a running back that's really boom or bust that might go for negative yards in one play, might go over 50 for the next. Stevenson's a really consistent runner that could bleed the clock, and that's probably the strategy the Patriots want to want to use in this matchup. So I would definitely want to keep an eye out on his status for Sunday. And in terms of Jalen Hurts, it seems the most obvious play here is anytime touchdown. I mean, we know how lethal that QB sneak play is for the Eagles that uh, push, push, as they call it, when they, the whole entire team is pushing into the end zone because – Jalen Hurts basically built like a running back. And right now, that line is only a plus 120. That seems far, that seems like too much value right there. DeAndre Swift taking the other side of that game. I actually think the fantasy market's too high on him, at least the fantasy market. I think the Patriots defense might be pretty good. The Eagles actually have four running backs listed in the top line of their depth chart. Is there, is there any value? Uh, going under Swift and some prop bets, at least in week one. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of value going on, on going and betting his under, just because, like you said, they have four capable running backs. I mean, it's not just DeAndre Swift, but they signed Rashad Penny this offseason, and we know the deal with Penny is that he can't really stay healthy, but when he is healthy, he's really, really good. And right now, he's completely healthy coming off the injury from last year, and we all know the playoffs last year from watching these games that Kenny Gainwell, their fifth-round pick from a couple years ago, was really impressive, and he even got more usage than Miles Sanders did in those few games. And even Boston Scott as a fourth running back could be involved throughout the season. So his line right now for DeAndre Swift for rushing guards at 32-and-a-half. I think if anything would be used more in the passing game, even though the Eagles didn't really like to target their running backs in those situations last year, but... 
if you're one of those people that doesn't think Swift is going to be the guy, even though it already is a low number, that's already two and a half assignment to consider. Brian Blewis, betting director with Pro Football Network. Follow them on Twitter at PFNBets as well as PFNBetting.com. It's supposed to be air Justin Herbert now with the new-look Chargers offense. Uh, plus, you also, in addition to that, have some questions with the Dolphins secondary, revamping things under Vic Fangio. No Jalen Ramsey to start the season. 290 and a half yards, though, does seem like a hefty number just to be uh, all in on with Justin Herbert. So how exactly would it be best to deploy uh, some different options in this game? Yeah, that is a very high line going against the Dolphins' defense with Vic Fangio now as the defensive coordinator, even though they are missing Dylan Ramsey at cornerback. It really depends on how the games are going to go for this game. I mean, almost every single Chargers game we know is decided by three points or less. So if you think this game is going to come down to the wire, that the over for that honestly wouldn't be a bad idea despite how high that number is, especially because this is about in two of the most explosive offenses in the NFL this year. But like you said, that number is very high, so it's really hard to say. But if you do think it's going to come down to the end of the fourth quarter, the Chargers are going to be throwing the ball throughout the game, especially under Kellen Moore, who with Dak Prescott on with Dak Prescott that offense the past few seasons had one of the highest uh, air yards per attempt. So it'll be a lot different passing offense than we saw the past couple of years with Bill Lombardi as his offense coordinator was basically running offense like he still had an aging through breeze in New Orleans to couldn't throw it beyond 15 yards. I want to bounce back to that Patriots and Eagles game. I guess sounds sounds like I'm maybe obsessed about this game, but I, I guess guess I kind of am. Um, I'm one of the few non-Mac Jones believers on planet Earth. It seems uh, he certainly. Uh, we did very well last year playing Mac Jones under the you know, prop bet market quite a bit. Uh, the re- Patriots receivers, same thing. But Bill O'Brien's now the offense coordinator. Do I need to change my stance, either not necessarily just this week, but in the future as far as my Mac Jones opinion? Maybe in the future, but not this week. Because if there's any weakness on the Patriots offense besides the receivers, it's their offensive line. And if the Eagles have any if – the, if there's one strength that stands up the most for the Eagles, it's their pass rush. Like, they're not going to repeat their production from a year ago when they had 70 sacks. That would just – that's unprecedented and extremely unlikely to come anywhere close to that. But that doesn't mean their pass rush still won't be really effective this year and that Mac Jones won't, won't be under a lot of pressure on Sunday afternoon. So, you could start fading Mac Jones to, for this week – but I'll keep an eye out games week to week. You know, the Patriots have a really tough schedule this year. Uh, for the Sunday night contest with the Cowboys and the Giants, I seemingly just want to keep making this Darren Waller thing a thing. So bring some logic here to the table for me. Uh, you know, plus 135, anytime touchdown score. You look at just kind of obviously you have Saquon Barkley, you have Daniel Jones's athleticism, but wide receiver wise, he is a massive upgrade uh, and a huge target for him to get the ball if they're able to move the ball down into the red zone. Yeah, I mean, you look at the rest of that offense, the Giants are deep at receiver, but they're deep with a bunch of guys that, that profile the wide receiver threes. Like, I don't know if any of their receivers are qualified to be a number two receiver, and especially not a number one receiver. So, and if anybody's going to be most heavily involved in the passing game, it's Darren Waller by country mile. I mean, we saw him get some limited snaps in that one preseason game against the Panthers, and that one drive, he had three catches for 30 yards, and looks like, he already developed a really good chemistry with Daniel Jones. And 
the biggest problem with Darren Waller these past couple seasons and the reason why he was available for trade and the Giants got him for what they did was because of injury. But right now, he's 100% healthy and he's ready to go. So if you believe in Darren Waller having a big season, you got to take him week one while you can. Okay, last one for me, Justin Fields. All kinds of opinions about him, uh, whether it be fantasy, prop bets, you know, football itself, etc. How do you approach the Fields market uh, this week and maybe throughout the season, at least your early thoughts of how he might do this year? Yeah, people are really high on Justin Fields having a breakout year this year because of what happened with Jalen Hurts last year after uh, he had a really good, he had a, he had a solid second season and mostly running the ball. And then he, similar to Hurts did last offseason, he got a number one receiver in DJ Moore. But I'm still not entirely bullish on this Bears passing game. Fields has such a long way to go as a passer, not even just from an accuracy standpoint, but he, he held onto the football for way too long. And even though the Bears are improving the offensive line, they're still not a top unit in this league by any means. And while DJ Moore is a good number one receiver, I'm not really high on Chase Claypool as being his second option in that passing game. So I expect him to be as dynamic as a runner as a year ago, but I'm not as bullish on his improvement as a passer as the biggest field optimists are. Brian, before we let you go here, is there anything that you do really like, anytime touchdown score, yards receiving, throwing, that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure us in the audience are aware of? Yeah, uh, one anytime touchdown prop I really like. And just to give some context, I actually hit my one touchdown prop last night on David Montgomery, which is nice. But uh, one prop I do like for this week for a touchdown score is on the Monday night game with Garrett Wilson. I believe right now he's plus 135. Last year, he had over 140 targets, but just four touchdowns. And of the top 15 guys in red zone targets last year, which Garrett Wilson qualified for, he had by far the lowest completion percentage in those situations because, obviously, Zach Wilson was his quarterback. And anyone that watched that Jets Giants preseason game, that connection with Rodgers to Garrett Wilson looked really similar to the connection he had with Devontae Adams in Green Bay. And in Rodgers' two, Rogers two MVP seasons, the last two with Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams is by far the most targeted player in the red zone and the most effective receiver in the red zone. So, I said Wilson would be utilized a lot similarly to Devonta Adams was because they're similar skill sets and that type of receiver that Rodgers likes and how he wants to use them. And especially Rodgers' debut in MetLife Stadium with the Jets on prime time on ESPN, I figure they want to show off to their fans on that big stage and get Gary Wilson the ball in the end zone. Brian, this has been fantastic. Let's have ourselves a fun, exciting week one and look forward to catching up with you next week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Once again, he is Brian Blewis. You can follow their work over on Twitter at PFNBets as well as PFNBetting.com.